on behalf of everybody here and on behalf of the public, I want to thank you for engaging in it at a time, in truth, when I know you've been advised not to. So thank you so very, very much. Thank you. Sam Bankman-Fried, everybody. Hi, this is Paul Play from Edge, and you are listening to Coin Fugazi. Of course, that's a Fugazi. All right. That's a Fugazi? How do you know it's a Fugazi? You looked at it for two seconds. What, it's a fake? Yeah, I know what a Fugazi is. It's all a Fugazi. You know what a Fugazi is? Well, Fugazi, it's a fake. Yeah, Fugazi, Fugazi, it's a wazi, it's a woozy, it's a... Coin Fugazi. Coin Fugazi. Coin Fugazi. Coin Fugazi. Coin Fugazi. We have decided to liquidate SBF, FTX, CZ in a week that shook the world Satoshi created. This installment, we're joined by Ian Freeman, co-founder and longtime host of Free Talk Live, a radio and internet show responsible for bringing on board some of the earliest crypto adopters in the world. He's also the last of the so-called Crypto Six, a half dozen New Hampshire residents charged in early 2021 uh, by the Department of Justice after about five-year investigation um, they charged them with uh, money laundering, operating its uh, continuing financial crimes enterprise, unlicensed money transmitting business. They threw some tax evasion charges for good measure. Um, Ian Freeman is the last man standing uh, among the six, and he is a, a personal hero. Ian Freeman, thank you, man, so much for coming on the show. Well, thanks, Ed, uh, for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I you know, right away... Um, there's a lot to talk about in an instant contrast, but I, before I get into your particular plight and what's happening right now, which is super, super important, I, I, I reached out to your wife and because we've had some nice correspondence um, over the last uh, few months uh, about what's going on with you. And I reached out, I, for some reason, you just popped instantly into my mind when this started happening and unraveling. Mm. I thought, I wonder what Ian thinks of all this, <laughs> considering what you're going through. But for the for the for the time being, let's put aside the crypto six stuff. What's your take on SBF and FTX and all that stuff happening right now? You know, I didn't really become aware of uh, Bankman. I like to call him Bankman. Um, I didn't <laughs> really become aware of him. I think until like a year or so ago, and I started seeing posts about him putting his face on all these advertisements for FTX. I'd, I'd heard of FTX, and then. Uh, just as one of the myriad of centralized Bitcoin exchanges out there. But uh, this guy was like promoting himself almost as much as it seemed as his exchange. There were what caught my attention was like a, a full size building advertisement. You know how they have these huge sides of a building mm -hmm. like in New York City that they'll put uh, put ads up on. And you know, this guy's face was literally, you know, 10 stories tall. And I thought, wow, the you know, the ego uh, <laughs> behind this character and, you know, su subsequently, I learned about all his supposed altruism and all this. And then, of course, the fall of uh, FDX, FTX happened, what, about two weeks ago, I think now uh, at this point. And it's been been pretty fascinating to watch. Of course, we've talked about it on on my radio show, Free Talk mm -hmm. Live. And, you know, my general perspective on this is that I wouldn't expect a whole lot to happen to him, given how politically connected he is. And secondly, that he's not even in the United States. So I think he's relatively safe from from prosecution. But, you know, we'll see about that. 
But I think the big takeaway here is that everybody's a lot of people are freaking out. Certainly the mainstream media is using this as their latest excuse to, uh, you know, call Bitcoin dead and crypto over, which, of course, they've been saying for you know a decade now. And I think it's important to remind people that we've seen this before. I mean, maybe FTX is the biggest exchange to fail, but it's certainly not the only exchange that has ever failed. We've seen the exchanges go under. We've seen them get hacked. Uh, we've seen their founders mysteriously die. So, you know, there's been a whole laundry list of these exchanges that have gone down in various ways over the year, all going all the way back to MT Gox, which was uh, the very first one. So, you know, we've we've been through this before. And unfortunately, people will go through this again because some people will not learn to keep their crypto off of these centralized exchanges. And there's always new people getting into crypto. So, you know, they don't know. And unfortunately, in a lot of cases, you have to learn the hard way. I remember learning the hard way a long time ago. I don't even remember what it was called. But back in the early days, you might remember it. There was one of these online wallets and Mark Edge and I, we we stored a bunch of Bitcoin on, on there. And uh, all of a sudden, the owner of the site claimed they got hacked. And somebody like put a threat out against the dude's life, and all of a sudden he coughs up fifty percent of the uh, the bitcoins. I I don't remember what it was called, but yeah, I'm I'm struggling to find it right now in my head. But yeah, yeah. I I remember. But this was years. Ago. I mean, it's probably ten years ago uh, at this point, and uh, and that's when that's when I learned the lesson. <laughs> so uh, this is just that lesson being taught over again. There's uh, there's some parallels, uh, as as awkward as it seems, and weirdly as it seems, between yourself. And Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, and what he's Ew. Uh, present. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I guess shoehorning them in. I'm struggling to make them for the purposes here of the show. <laughs> but um, there are uh, a couple, and uh, one of them is the fact. Well, not maybe not parallels, but an interesting contrast in this sense. He's part of that 2017 um, class that came in at the height of the speculative bubble, then at the height, mm. that, that bubble, mm. uh, the whole 20 K or whatever, uh, back in, um, in, uh, December of, uh, of 2017, he, he, that's what caught his attention. He began arbing and so on. Mm. And the rest is, uh, is history. It's interesting to contrast that with you who came in, you know, relatively early, maybe three years, maybe less, uh, into Bitcoin's, um, existence. And really at the, at the, at the birth of this whole, uh, enterprise your it strikes me as because he didn't even know what a blockchain was you know he like you say he was kind of asking for crypto regulation he was oh, really yeah. a new character um this new breed this 2017 class that i found again he was not really on my radar i just don't have any dealings with ftx i mean not mm -hmm. like you i knew of him and so on but he was he struck me as just the the, the polar i mean obviously in hindsight that it makes sense but i'm saying before all this he struck me as the polar opposite of the whole point behind bitcoin yeah Can you talk a little bit about what got you into crypto and how that's just it's it wasn't an arb opportunity for you it wasn't uh, a chance to make markets more efficient uh you weren't looking uh in terms of effective altruism um this these sorts of things um what, what was it's 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 it, well i'll stop there Sure. Uh, so, I mean, we, yeah, we got into uh, Bitcoin back before there were any altcoins. And it was our radio show, Free Talk Live, where a guy called in. He was 
uh, sort of a known quantity. He'd, he'd been a longtime listener of the show. He called in from Australia and he told us about Bitcoin. And this was, I think, toward the end of 2011, maybe sometime in 2011. I don't know. But anyway, he called in to tell us about it. And of course, we were pretty skeptical uh, on our first hearing of it. But Roger Veer was listening that night. And he is, uh, of course, one of the biggest promoters in the world of cryptocurrency. Also a controversial uh, character, of course, with the whole Bitcoin cash schism that happened also in 2017. Uh, but he was listening and he really did catch the vision for it. And I remember he hearing him tell the story about how he spent a week of his life without sleeping and just constantly researching Bitcoin and learning about it and then finally investing in it. And I don't know how, I don't know how much money he put into it, but uh, he was a successful businessman at that time. He was a, a sponsor of Free Talk Live at that time for his memory dealer's business. And he started asking us at some point if we would take payment for advertising that we, you know, again, he was already a sponsor, uh, if he could pay us in Bitcoin. And I remember just being, you know, okay, well, we want to make our client happy, but we still have bills to pay. So I said, well, we'll, we'll take 10%. And, uh, you know, had I said 100%, <laughs> uh, you know, in the very beginning, we'd probably have had 10 times as, uh, as much Bitcoin. But uh, regardless, it, it still worked out pretty well, uh, all things considered. And, uh, I'm really grateful that everything panned out the the way it did. I don't know. Did I answer your question? Yeah, you did, and that's kind of what I wanted to to sort oh, of. Get wait, in. there was more of the philosophy aspect. The philosophy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it wasn't about oh, number can go up, which is what a lot of people get into Bitcoin for. It seems like these days, and as a major division between people who uh, have different philosophies on this. The viewpoint that I think that the libertarian voluntarist types have on Bitcoin is that it's a tool to enhance individual freedom uh, all around the planet and reduce uh, the violence of the state as well. So, I mean, it is kind of altruistic from that perspective as far as, you know, spreading mm -hmm. cryptocurrency is, is, is a you know, mission, uh, if you will, to get people to... Uh, get out of the government money system and every dollar that we can get out of that that government money and put it into cryptocurrency or any other alternative for that matter i like the the gold back for instance i think it's a really cool physical uh form of uh, of currency but anything we can get out of that uh, that dollar or euro or whatever central bank system is value that the state can't easily touch that they can't easily tax they can't easily inflate uh, to then do things like go to war and bomb innocent people in the Middle East or wherever other part of the world. So from that perspective, it is a very kind of altruistic thing of this is important. This is this is like really critical for the future of humanity and especially for individual rights and freedom. And so, you know, a lot of us see Bitcoin as a way to undermine the status quo of centralized banks and big banks and put the power of money in the hands of the individual. And that's a very different perspective from somebody who just says, oh, here's a new investment class. Yeah. And a number go up. Yeah. No, no, it's uh, it's striking because I, I can't have the kind of conversation I'm having with you anymore. It just it just doesn't, it, you know, it's it's considered sort of passe, almost cliche, mm -hmm. a little dinosaur. Um, it's interesting. It's just interesting where the space has gone. So Smash cut, well, we did want to see. Go. We, well, I'm sorry to interrupt again. No, no, I mean, we, you know, in the early days, everybody wanted to see Bitcoin get bigger, right? Like, I mean, that's inevitable that it has mm -hmm. to become more popular in order for it to catch on. And in order for it to become more popular means, you know, people who don't have the same philosophy that we do are going to get into it. And so, yeah. you know, just just like, uh, you know, just like a you know, the punk band that jumps the shark and 
uh, it sells out for the record contract to some extent. That's that's happening with with cryptocurrency, right? Like it's it's getting big enough to where these institutional types, these regulator types, uh, are getting interested and getting involved, and that's for better or for worse, inevitably where things had to go. But that doesn't mean that we can't sort of keep the dream alive and stay true to uh, to our vision, and certainly. Uh, you know, people like the folks that are involved with uh, Bitcoin Cash and Dash, you know, these are people who still have the vision for crypto being used as uh, a transactional currency. And they're still, you know, driving forward on that. So I'm I'm really glad to see that those those sectors do still exist. Yeah, there are pockets, there are remnants for, for sure. It's just uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting time to be in crypto looking back. Um, so smash cut to. Uh, spring of 2021 um you're asleep you're in your home um and uh the alphabet boys and gals uh, come come knocking right Can you yeah no a- smash would have been the right word they they literally smashed in a couple of windows on the first floor of my home they flew a drone inside the house two uh, uh, were- two bear cats Right? Two bear cats were on the property. It's a duplex, so they also used one of the bear cats with a battering ram on the front to uh, push in the front door of the next door side. And my friend and co-host, nobody, that's his legal name, by the way, uh, was was over there at the time, and he was up up programming. And uh, so they sent in men with guns, and they smashed the glass. And I, you know, demanded we come downstairs and. Uh, you know, had to pick up my dog. Luckily, they let me pick the dog up, so he didn't have to walk on the broken glass. We we tapped out our shoes to get all the broken glass or as much of it as we could out before we put them on and go outside. Uh, they they forced me to put the dog down at that point, and then he just ran around the you know the neighborhood for twenty minutes or whatever before somebody finally picked him up and put him in an FBI truck. There were roughly fifty uh, agents there, from what I understand. Most of them were armed and. You know, pointing rifles and things like that. It was a pretty crazy uh, situation, and, and luckily we actually have uh, surveillance footage of it. So anyone who uh, wants to actually see a little bit of what it was like, they can go to thecrypto6.com, which is not my website. Uh, but if you go there, then you can see the five-minute sort of supercut of what happened here. It's it's pretty crazy. All of this over you know victimless financial so-called crimes. I think you know. You know, as, as bad as that is, it's not as bad as having to live in the Bahamas in a thirty-eight million dollar <laughs> mansion and have to do your own shopping. So, you know, I, yeah. I think as you're complaining, I think you need to think of our our good friend SBF here <laughs> and all that he's going through uh, right now. Um, tough times for uh, tough for times man. for Sam. Poor Sam. Um, you know what I think is 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 I'm being uh, drippingly sarcastic there. Something tells me that if if I pushed you, if I scratched you, and we kept talking and talking and talking intellectually, you'd probably say, "Look, I don't, I don't want anything bad to happen to Sam either. Like, I don't, I don't want him to be thrown in jail." Am, am I right about that? Well, I don't know what it is that he actually did. Right? There's right. Uh, allegations that fraud was involved here, and I don't certainly think that people who haven't actually harmed anyone else should go to prison. Um, I think that if fraud was involved, then he should probably make his victims whole. I don't think sitting in a prison cell would necessarily uh, help that, right? Because you can't do much inside a prison to make your victims whole. So, I mean, of course, you're, we're talking about billions of dollars. So can that ever truly be accomplished? Probably not. Um, can he you know, do something, provide some amount of compensation? Probably. What To what level? I, I don't know. 
Uh, but yeah, I'm not the kind of person who just says, you know, throw somebody in a prison cell and that's yeah. going to make everything better because it, it generally doesn't. It's not going to fill, uh, you know, when somebody gets harmed by an actual criminal, it usually doesn't fill a hole inside of the person who who lost a loved one or or was hurt. Uh, I think forgiveness is generally the order of the day for for these sorts of things. And ultimately, it's, you know, it is the individual's problem for trusting their funds with somebody else. I mean, that's that's not to say he's not to be blamed or does does not have blame for what he did or allegedly did. Again, I, I don't know all the details, but, you know, not your keys, not your coins. This is the, mm. the, the age old lesson that has been taught so many times in so many you know, brutal ways and it hurts uh when that happens but you know it's it's best to forgive and learn the lesson and and just move on rather than obsessing over getting vengeance on somebody and uh, i wanted i wanted listeners to, to definitely hear that so i'm glad you glad you said it it gives you some insight it gives the listener some insight rather into uh your thinking so again the, the contrast is just so deep because even as I read the, the public, uh, uh, the press release uh, released by uh, the DOJ back then, they referred to the people who interacted with you as customers, which is mm-hmm. really, really, really interesting. Um, not victims. Mm. Um, as far as I know, you've never employed violence against people. Oh, goodness. Um, no. Okay. Um, so this, this seems really, really, really interesting because Sam is probably going to, you know, live out a nice, very comfortable life. Um, and, uh, you know, of infamy for sure, but nevertheless comfortable life. What, what's your exposure? So exposure in the, in the legal sense to people who are listening is not necessarily what's going to happen, but should the worst occur? What, what are you currently facing or, or looking at? Well, I'm facing, I don't know, roughly 25 charges, I think. You went over some of them, and there's multiple counts of of some of them. And one of the charges has a 10-year minimum sentence. That's the continuing so-called financial crimes enterprise. I was the only one of the six that was hit with that one. So all totaled up, if they were to be sentenced consecutively, it could be over 400 years in prison. But I mean, the re- realistically, it, it probably wouldn't be sentenced that way unless they want to, you know, try to make a, a Ross Ulbricht out of me and, you know, send a quote unquote, send a message. So, you know, anything's possible. But I mean, sentencing guidelines are a thing. Uh, the, the big one, of course, is that 10 year minimum. And, and I don't have a violent history or anything like that. I've got some convictions for civil disobedience here in New Hampshire over the years. Uh, but but no actual crimes with with any victim. So presumably, you know, it shouldn't be more than I don't know. It's hard to really say. Right. Like, uh, you know, it, it all depends on how many things we get convicted of and all that. And I'm I'm optimistic. Right. Like if I, I weren't optimistic, I wouldn't be taking this to trial. I would would take some sort of plea deal or, or something like that. But uh, I didn't hurt anybody and neither did any of the other crypto six. It's just they took uh, you know guilty pleas because they're afraid, as as most people are when the feds come after them. We've seen so many cases of people who've sold Bitcoin online who take a plea deal in these uh, in these cases, and it's because it's scary, you know. I mean, not everybody has the uh, the FBI and the ATF and the uh, who else was it the maybe the Treasury Department, IRS, USP, yeah, USPS was here, IRS was here. Uh, a multi-jurisdictional violent task force smashed their windows in at six in the morning. 
Uh, not everybody in the crypto world has had that experience. So that that alone is pretty intimidating. But just knowing that, you know, you could spend years in prison for doing something that never harmed another person and knowing that juries are, you know, kind of a questionable thing. You never really know what you're going to get with uh, with a jury out there. So it's a it's a scary thing to be facing all that time. And they know it. The You know, the feds know how to play this game. They know how to intimidate people. And that's why they almost never have to go to trial. I, I mean, in the history of, of everybody who's ever been charged for, for instance, selling on local bitcoins, uh, it's very, very seldom that somebody will will ever go to trial. And so many of these charges have never actually been, from from my understanding, have never actually gone in front of a jury. So I, somebody had to do it. And again, is here's, you know, there's there's a, of the six, five have pled out and you, you've eloquently, you know, described why someone would do that. You're, you're facing these down. You're facing really life in prison. And Sam Bankman-Fried's got a million complainants, maybe. I think mm. we're, there's some, I can't remember the creditors, but it's somewhere in there. Uh, they're, they're teachers who have lost pension funds, yeah. uh, some Ontario, something or other. Uh, their people lost their life savings, uh, venture funds. I mean, it, not to mention the broader crypto market just crashing. Yeah, sure. Uh, and whatever happens, that's there. You know, there, there are victims. Did anybody other than the state, other than you know the the United States of America, did anybody, any one person, come and 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 launch the complaint and said this guy hurt me? No, no, not at all. There's no um, the only quote unquote victims in the case are banks and credit unions and even they had not lost anything there's no uh in in the sentencing for instance for the the four by the way it was one lady had her charges dropped but the other four mm -hmm. took a plea um and and so in the four that have taken a plea three of them have been sentenced uh the fourth Ari Demetso is scheduled for sentencing in late January but of the three who've been sentenced so far zero restitution there's zero loss and aria is also zero when she is sentenced it will be based on zero uh loss in her case and so yeah i mean these these banks made money on on what we were doing so it's it's pretty ridiculous the whole it's thing. unbelievable it's, it's unbelievable um did you keep up at all with like library and some of that yeah. stuff that was going on yeah, library. Of course, uh, the the creator of library, Jeremy Kaufman, is based here in New Hampshire. So I was doing some, you know, work for their campaign, helping spread the word about the the Jeremy Kaufman for Senate campaign. So certainly, I'm in touch with uh, with Jeremy and and people in that in that universe. Of course, you're referring to their uh, their loss, unfortunately, yeah. uh, versus the SEC, where the SEC essentially ruled that the library credits are so-called securities, which I think is ridiculous. And hopefully they're going to be appealing that uh, decision. It is amazing that while they're going after, literally, literally while they're going after you, while they're going after Kaufman's library, while they're going after Kim Kardashian, for Christ's sake, mm -hmm. this SBF guy is hobnobbing with Gary Gensler. He's, rubbing elbows uh i think maxine waters is blowing him kisses and something <laughs> it, like like this guy is is literally literally satan right? <laughs> and you it's just it's just wild to me man and uh, i go back and forth uh usually i would kind of keep my composure in an interview and kind of try to be dispassionate and whatever else but 
I, I'm just I, Ian. God damn it! Ah, I feel so horrible for you. But on the other hand, you're a strong dude. Um, you're a principled man. Uh, I've only known you from afar. Uh, admired you from afar. Listening to the radio, listening to the internet shows. Um, I I owe you in a in very indirect way. Uh, my current lifestyle, my current vocation, for Christ's sake. Um, wow, thanks, man. Yeah, I, I really do. And and I, I get a chance every so often to say thank you to some people. Um, your work, your advocacy led to Veer, who started .com, who then one of the headhunters reached out to me when I was at Fee and said, hey, come work for mm-hmm. us. I started getting paid in Bitcoin. My salary jumped three, four, five, six, seven X. Wow. In the period of three, four, five months. And I moved my family from one of the shittiest name. I've never told anybody this, by the way. Hmm. One of the shittiest neighborhoods in my current neck of the woods to an upscale place, changed schools. It I am not exaggerating. You have changed my little girls' lives. Our whole lives upgraded, man. Yeah. Our whole like right. I'm I'm sitting in this beautiful place and my daughters are going to one of the best schools in the area because of you, you know, again, you know, the, the well, I was just the conduit, right? Like you took action, you know, you couldn't have gotten this far without whatever actions you took to, to make this possible. But I'm, gl- I'm grateful that I'm a uh, listener, that I was, I was a listener. I, yeah. I was there and, and you're good humor. You're a God. I used to get so incensed with you about different things. You would defend the undefendable. I'd be like, Jesus, Jesus, you know, <laughs> I'd argue with my computer and stuff. But then on the other hand, it was, it was always fun to like calm myself down and go, wait, how, how am I thinking about this? And so on. And like, just, just, I'm very selfishly now taking over the podcast to say thank you. I didn't plan on doing this, uh, but just listening to you, listening to your voice and and the strength in it, um, I'm more upset than you are uh, in this case. So, um, man, well, let me give you a little bit of good news. Go ahead. Um, we we had a hearing last because it's you know it's it can be overwhelming having the federal government put all of its weight against you, and that's why people take plea deals on this stuff, right? Um, but like I said, there's no real victims in this case and I don't even believe any, any laws were broken, all things considered. So it's going to be a very interesting case and it's already gotten pretty interesting. There was a motion hearing that happened last week and there's a, a a report written up by one of the guys that, that witnessed it over at freekeen.com. It's K-E-E-N-E, freekeen.com. It's fairly detailed and mostly accurate. He was actually there, so he did see this happen. But anyway, we had filed a motion a couple of months prior uh, in federal court where this case is that was calling into question the states. Uh, they have this, what they wanted to present as a, a so-called expert witness the FBI's top blockchain so-called expert. And she was supposed to come in and she's, you know, got chainalysis on various different transactions regarding the the crypto six and all that. And so basically we said, well, look, um, if you're going to introduce this evidence, it has to pass a certain standard. And in the courts, uh, federal system, there's something called the Daubert standard, I guess. And essentially it says that, you know, all evidence has to have 
um, it has to be able to be inspected, essentially. And as far as computer things are concerned, programming and that sort of thing, um, you can't have a black box. You can't have closed source. So Chainalysis, you know, and these other private companies that do blockchain analysis, they are not open source. And so their systems are are, you know, they cannot be inspected. We, we can't see what the programming is. We can't know how they got the results that they got. And so we said, well, we're, we're challenging this and we want a court hearing on it. And so the prosecutors went back and they went back to the FBI and they said, oh, shit, you guys have to do come cook, cook something else up. And uh, so they went uh, and they used blockchain.com instead to try to get the blockchain analysis. And they claim that blockchain.com is open source. And what they meant by that was that anyone can use it. I don't know if blockchain.com actually publishes their source code anywhere. Um, and so that was like one of the main thrusts of the hearing. So we ended up having this hearing where they called the expert, so-called, her name is Erin Montgomery, and they called her in to, uh, to court and it was really entertaining. I wish we could get video in federal court. Unfortunately, they don't allow that. Uh, but uh, basically, my attorney had this lady on the ropes and he got her to admit that, first of all, she is a, a liberal arts major who's never even gone to school for computers but she got into this position and has has been self-taught on blockchain over the years. She's been in in the position for like a decade, uh, but uh, she, you know by no means is she an expert. And she actually admitted that uh, anyone can do what she did, meaning that anyone, even my attorney, she said, could go to the same website and do the same work. And so she basically disqualified herself as an expert on the stand, and the judge had to say that. She will not be allowed to be uh, presented as an expert. She's still going to be able to testify, but she cannot be considered to be an expert witness on that uh, in this case. So very interesting results. The The main one being that uh, they ran away from using Chainalysis because they didn't want it to get overturned as, uh, as inadmissible, which is basically mm -hmm. an admission that it's inadmissible as evidence. And then secondly, that the FBI's top blockchain expert isn't actually an expert. Well, you don't get you don't get stuff like this if you take a plea deal, right? Like you don't get to see their evidence, you don't get to challenge any of their evidence, and they don't have to defend any of it if you just take a plea deal. So it's going to be really interesting to see, uh, you know, how this all plays out. And unfortunately, the the uh, crypto media, I mean, besides your show, and I think maybe a, an article on Bitcoin.com two years ago or whatever, there's been very little uh, coverage. And that's, you know, maybe that has to do with the philosophy that we were talking about earlier, because, you know, we're okay. of the old, the old school philosophy. And so the, so, you know, the, the in investor types that are running the crypto media just don't care. I, no. I don't know. It's like, to, to me, that's like fascinating stuff and it needs yeah. to get out there. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I suspect you're right. Um, and that it's, uh, it doesn't fit the narrative and, uh, kind of harkens back to something, uh, uh, something that they they'd rather not uh, they'd rather not address. But um, wow, what an amazing time for you! Um, so, how can people follow sort of the rest of the Ian Freeman saga? Um, and hopefully, it's gonna it's gonna result in some precedents and uh, some some good uh, um, good news for for the for the industry. But how can they follow all all things Ian Freeman? Uh, freetalklive.com i have been posting some news there about uh what has been going on with the crypto six 
there's you know it's a it's my radio show website but i also will put up some blog type information there on the on the front page that's probably the best spot to go also thecrypto6.com not my website so i'm not in control of of what goes up there but the people that are running it seem to be pretty on top of things uh, freekeen.com is a blog that focuses more on the libertarian activism here in new hampshire uh, which of course involves a lot of crypto related stuff we've we've had tremendous successes here and getting businesses to actually accept cryptocurrency like Bitcoin Cash and Dash in real life. So that's kind of a cool thing as well. So those are three three very good outlets. And what what people can do to help, you mentioned this earlier, uh, is, you know, look, we're we're fine. The lawyers are paid. Uh, we're, we're good financially. There's actually a documentary that just got funded by some donors that are going to be doing a documentary on uh, the Crypto 6. So I don't need donations or anything like that. But what really would help is just spreading the word, you know, getting the word out on social media. If you know anybody in the uh, the crypto news media, you know, to alert them to this particular story, this uh, that's the one thing that we're really lacking is any kind of uh, news coverage and attention to this, this situation, because, you know, this is going to affect. A, I think it's going to have a large effect on you know, people that were doing some of the things I was doing, like uh, selling Bitcoin. You, know, you should be able to sell Bitcoin without having to ask government permission. All right, my brother. Um, well, I again, I appreciate uh, um, all that you've done and do, and uh, do please, if you're listening, get out there and uh, and follow Ian, and of course, spread the word. Um, thank you, man, again, so much for coming on. I I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ed. Been a pleasure. Oh!